0: Good morning, afternoon night everyone my name is john Bubs, and this is my podcast about horror movies uh, i'm accompanied today with my friend colin leonard uh, we have over the past couple of days watched four interesting horror movies all ranging in budget uh but together they have all been slasher films and somewhat of a pleasure to watch now colin why don't you introduce
1: yourself to everyone who's listening uh yeah just as john said um we watched different movies from the 1980s, all in the horror genre, and today we're going to be going over similarities, common tones we've chose, stuff we picked on during watching the films, as well as just our thoughts on the movies in general. It's absolutely correct. So, the four movies we've watched over the past couple days have been
0: Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, The Night of the Creeps, and Return of the Living Dead, Um, Now, some of you might have heard all those, maybe some have heard only some of those, especially the first two who have been massive box office hits in the past few decades. Um, So, why don't we start off with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, which was the first movie we watched. Um, For you of those who have never seen that movie, it is basically about a serial killer, who haunts people's dreams and is able to kill them in their dreams. Now, Colin, what do
1: you think about that movie? Uh, We actually talked about this while watching it. I thought one of the biggest parts of the horror movie to be scary is the story itself. And the story of Nightmare on Elm Street was actually pretty good because one thing everybody needs to do is sleep. So if you take a serial killer that can get to your dreams and kill you in your sleep from your dreams, that's just... A golden recipe right there
0: that it does um, and a lot of horror movies are able to connect to you know a something that everyone can share that everyone does on a daily basis um, now diving into Nightmare on Elm Street we can kind of look at the graphics and the cinematics of the whole film and overall it you know respectively to the decade was something of it was a pretty high caliber if you agree I, I would, I'd have to say, it was pretty decent for the time. For the time, yep. Um, so diving more into the graphics here, um, what they were able to use and uh, accomplish in that movie was something that was pretty scary to the viewers at the time. Um, now might be something to laugh at, but the fact that they're able to extend Freddy's arm almost a street length and able to have him cut his own fingers off and cut himself, and even the makeup of Freddy to make him look like a serious burn victim was something that was pretty gory at the
1: time, don't you? Don't you agree with that? I'd have to say that that was honestly one of my favorite parts. I mean, nowadays it looked a little goofy, like elastic arms stretching a whole street length, (laughs) but just compared to what we have nowadays, it's kind of, like, desensitized, I guess, but the makeup on Freddy was top tier. Like, I wish we had makeup at that point, like, nowadays yeah because nowadays everybody wears a mask or it's cgi yeah nobody does makeup anymore yeah and it kind of takes away from that whole aspect of that's a real guy yeah well
0: i don't know if that's exactly makeup or just a mask they had them put on um but it definitely makeup was involved they had to craft it it kind of reminded me of uh the makeup they did with Deadpool, almost, to make him kind of look... Not exactly a burn victim, but... Not so much makeup, it's more like special effects on a movie. Special effects, yeah. Something like that. Um, and now, the acting in it... Granted, it most of the cast was subpar. Um, but something that caught my eye and caught me by surprise was that Johnny Depp was actually a star in this film that I, I did not know he was a star in. Um, so, what do you have to say about the acting in this film?
1: Uh, the acting was definitely had some low notes. I think a lot of people would agree with me if I said that it was carried a little bit by Johnny Depp in some places. Yeah. But the main person I can't remember the name of the actress to save my life, but her name in the story was Nancy. Yeah. She actually had some shining moments as well being the main star of the film. That that she did. She
0: did. Um low low points and high points with Nancy, but Overall, it still was a pretty successful hit. Well, not in the current, not the time it was released, but it eventually became a really successful hit. Um, and I believe
1: we have some box office uh, hits right here. And while John looks up the box office numbers, I am going to say that, like, it's very difficult for a movie to transcend decades. And when it comes to something like Nightmare on Elm Street, they made eight of them. And people, really. yeah, and people still know who Freddy Krueger is. That they do. I remember, No one's going to remember the creeps. No. But everyone
0: knows who Freddy is. Exactly. I know in middle school, kids would dress up as Freddy for Halloween. Um, and, of course, at the time, I was way too scared to watch that movie. And so I'm glad I'm watching it now. So as I'm pulling up the uh, box office information for Friday the 13th, the uh, budget they had was $1.8 million. At the time, that's a pretty decent budget for a horror film. And the opening weekend box office was 1.27 million they did not make their money back in the first opening week but the total gross worldwide was 25 million dollars and that really says something you know you know not a lot of movies can kind of slump almost in the first week but eventually become a massive hit and this one did it it was was a very good movie and the storyline with it was consistent Uh, Along with the horror and the um, action and the death, it was almost consistent through the entire thing. You know, someone dies almost immediately off, and that kind of gets you this bloodlust for more, and you continue to get more at a very steady pace that also will help carry the
1: story. And I thought they did a very good job with that. Especially relating to horror movies nowadays, where you get downtime for an entire hour, and the last 30 minutes are packed with everybody dying and, like... 15 minutes at the end of the movie, and the last 15 of story. Yeah, it was nice to have a consistent aspect to keep watching rather than backstory, a little action, and then the ending of the story.
0: Well, funny you mentioned that. I think instead of going in order of how we watch, I think I'm gonna spin off on that and go straight into Night of the Creeps, um, because that is exactly how you described it. It was all very slow storyline. You know, Con and I were feeling very sleepy through the entire thing, and then it right at the end, bunch of blood and gore, a bunch of people dying, and I mean, it was interesting, but it did not carry that film. And you know, the box office showed that. And I'm not going to get into that right now, um, but let's quickly go over the movie first. It is basically about alien slugs that have come down out of a <laughs> out of a spaceship. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but that is the storyline of this film, Um, and these slugs will enter the human body through the mouth, incubate in the brain, and then, you know, if the person is dead or alive, they will continue to feast until they're ready to hatch, and they, you know, multiply. Now, it was interesting to see that, but it wasn't that interesting. You know, it, it didn't really captivate Me, as an audience member, and I don't think it captivated anyone else in the audience. Um, But the graphics at the time were top-notch, especially when they had a budget of $5 million. I mean, they were able to, you know, at their time, CGI was CGI Spaceship, had, you know, a bunch of aliens running around, which looked interesting, and I don't think they had enough to actually make them have facial expressions. But it was interesting to watch, and... You know The graphics, well, the money they had, were good, but with the uh, storyline and the acting, they just didn't capitalize on that. And they, ha- they had a chance to, and they really didn't.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that when I heard what the budget for this movie was, and we'll go more in detail on the budget later, but for what the budget was, I expected a lot more than what I got. Yeah. Granted, the story, you have to stick to the story, so you can only do so much within the confines of your story, but it just wasn't there. I'm going to go out, and I didn't like this movie. I'll go out on a limb and say it. I did not like it either. It was... I did not like it either. It was weird. Uh, The story couldn't hold my attention. It just wasn't a movie for me. If somebody hears this and they're like, nope, that's my favorite movie. Good for you. I'm not bashing your movies, but... It wasn't for me. Yeah. Well, let's try to get back into the analysis of this movie and kind of really look at
0: it. I know... I'm pretty sure... I'm trying to get in the mind here of the producer here, and I know at the time, especially during the 80s, there was huge on horrors, huge on sci-fi, and it was huge on teens. And I think they were trying to hit all three at once, and I don't think they should have. I think getting the sci-fi aspect of the alien slugs just was not... Just was not the right move. Um... It was weird, didn't make a lot of sense, you know, they didn't really, because right at the beginning they're like, oh, don't let that science experiment escape, well, why don't we kind of talk about that, get a quick backstory, I feel that was really rushed at the beginning, Um, and honestly, acting was below subpar. There were a few points where the acting was actually pretty well
1: executed.
0: I I feel like the acting was well executed by two cast members. Select characters. Select characters. Um, I. It seems like the acting wasn't selected, right?
1: I could have done better with that. Um, it seemed like some people just didn't fit the role they were put into. No, not they did not.
0: I don't think it didn't stand up at the time with that, you know, audience in the eighties. I don't think it would stand up now. It definitely does not stand the, stand the time. You know, no one really knows that movie. I know when I was looking for movies to watch and I saw Night of the Creeps, I'm like, what is that? Watch the trailer. I'm like, oh, this is going to be horrible, but let's watch it anyways. And that's kind of the theme I was going here for the podcast was trying to w- watch two really well known horror movies, two lesser known horror movies, and see kind of how they compare to each other, to current, how they have held up, and comparing them. You know, I don't think it's fair to compare them to A Nightmare on Elm Street, but I'm going to anyways. And, you know, like you said, Nightmare on Elm Street has stand the test of time. People know what it is. They've made multiple spinoffs on it. Eight, you said, right? Eight spinoffs. And Night of the Creeps, they did make a spinoff because the way they ended it, left it kind of open, and they made a second one. And, you know, I haven't done any research on it, but I doubt it did any
1: better than the original. Um, do you have anything else to say about this? I mean, the first movie they made was in, like, 1980s. You said the second movie was made in, like, 2007. Yep, yep, you were right. So it definitely probably took a little bit convincing to be like, hey, let's make another one. Yep. But I I think they missed their mark on it. And going into this, I knew that there were going to be a movie or two that I wasn't going to connect with as much as the originals because they're the originals for a reason. Exactly. But most movies, you can argue, are, like, so bad they're laughable. And I think this one even missed that mark, it just couldn't hold my attention long enough to do anything with it yep um
0: so let's quickly get in the box office and then move on to our next movie the box the so the current budget they had was five million, and the Which still blows my mind that they had five million, and it turned out the way it did five million, and they had to have a rough idea on what they were gonna make so yeah, it blows my mind, too. So the opening weekend was, in the box office, $220,000, which blew my... With a $5 million budget, you want at least make close to that, like Nightmare on Elm Street did. And they weren't even close, and their gross worldwide earnings weren't even closer. At a staggering $591,000, is, you know... Abysmal. It, it's sad, and, you know, that movie reflects it. But... It's still a horror, a sci- good, not a good sci fi horror movie from the 80s. It was interesting. A, it was a horror sci fi movie. It was a horror sci fi movie from the 80s. It was interesting to watch. Not something I'd ever watch again. Um, so let's, let's move on to our next one. Let's go back to uh, another one that most people will have heard of. And that would be Friday the 13th. Now, doing some research on this, this was a very interesting film to watch to learn about. Um, so I'll, I'll start
1: with you, Colin. What, how how'd you think about this movie? What do you think about it? I've already seen this movie a couple times. It was one of my favorite horror movies growing up. Just the graphics in it nowadays, not compared to nowadays from back then, still are pretty good. The acting was decent in places, but fell flat in other places like most movies can. But all in all, it was just, it's one of my favorite movies, and it gave birth to, like, a line of Jason Voorhees movies that, again, stood the test of time. Exactly. And uh,
0: my opinion on it, I I really enjoy this film. I've never seen this film before. I've never seen any of these films before. So I was going out with a fresh view on it, and I really love this film. And there's a couple of reasons why, you know, starting off with graphics, I wouldn't even call them graphics. I mean, it was just more camera angles, right? You get a camera angle of the murderer and you don't know who it is. You don't know who it is until the end. With all all of these, you know who it is, right? You know, in Friday the 13th, it's Freddy Krueger. And, you know, Night of the Creeps, it's the weird alien slugs. This you don't know, and that's the part of the suspense that I loved about this movie. It made you think, oh, who could it be, who could it be, while watching all these kids get brutally murdered. And, you know, the, the special effects with them getting their, you know, throats cut or an axe through the face or an arrow through the neck, which, in my opinion, was very, very interesting to watch, especially learning on how they made that with the bodysuit and, you know, Kevin Bacon's head, you know, it was, it was really good. Um And along with the acting, like you said, it felt... F- flattened parts like all movies do but comparing them to the rest of the movies i mean the acting was top-notch compared to the other movies it really carried the movie through the entire way um and like i said in nightmare of El- on elm street you know it's the bloodless that people are going for for horror movies and that's exactly what you get you within the first five minutes two people are already dead And they get stabbed right in the stomach, and you can watch them bleed. And then you're like, okay, what's next? Who's going to die next? Who's going to die next? And you see people getting their throats slit and, you know, throats pierced. It's gory. It's bloody. It's so interesting. It keeps you on the edge of your seat. It keeps you watching it. And that's the important thing. I think they nailed it with the script, and they nailed it with the acting. And, like you said, it stands the test of time. And that's the important thing. You know, you want your film... Be known throughout generations and that's exactly what this film did and
1: it's it blows my mind that it was able to do that Um, especially with most films this is the one i feel most comfortable comparing to the nightmare on elm street not because they're both well known but because just the way they were made the idea in friday the 13th of a handheld camera from behind a tree and a nondescript hand pushes a branch away so you can see the next target gives you chills. Oh yeah. You don't know anything about who this murderer is but you know you are staring from their point of view and you know something bad is going to happen. Exactly, And that that reminds me of a lot of cheaper beef films
0: that were made throughout the 70s even where a producer would you know give a director a camera go make a movie just a singular camera handheld little shaky and that's that's the thing you get kind of like a personal connection with that you don't think oh you're looking through the lens of the viewer not the actual killer and that's exactly what you're doing so you get you get a straight look through the killer's eyes and that really puts you into the film and n- none of these movies are able to do that except Friday the 13th and what blows my mind even more is the budget they had 550,000 dollars the lowest budget of any of these movies and they were able to hit it right out of the park. Um, the opening weekend, you know, earnings was $5.8 million.
1: That, tremendous. It's astonishing. And yeah. somebody with such a low budget can hit it so well to the point where you see the, the last movie we just looked at. Budget of 5 mil fell flat on its face. Exactly. And and that kind of tells you that you don't need a really good budget to make a
0: good film. What you need is cast and a director.
1: In a, a, a good one. And a good story. A, in a good story. Especially if somebody can relate to it, like, not to cut you off, but okay. relating this back to Nightmare on Elm Street, the whole idea of people connected with it because everybody needs to sleep. I'm sure most people have been to a summer camp. Exactly. So I have to agree with the whole idea of, I, I've been to a sleepaway camp, and the whole idea of running for your life in the sleepaway camp just kind of added that one personal factor that the sci-fi movies just couldn't hit. Definitely. It definitely did. Um, and quickly heading on the gross worldwide
0: earnings, $39.7 million. Um, I'm not entirely sure on how many spin-offs they were able to make off this movie, but I know it was a lot. A lot of Jason Voorhees movies, a lot of Friday the 13th movies. It was great. And while Collins searching up what it's gonna be I'm actually gonna be moving on here I'll, I'll circle back but we're gonna be moving on to the return of the living dead now I also enjoy this movie and for a couple of reasons the storyline was interesting because right at the beginning it tells you that everything in this movie is real all the characters are real their names are real the businesses are real so it kind of puts, you know, okay, this is a true story. And the outrageousness of this story just kind of makes you think, oh, this is really weird. real. Well, obviously it's not. It's all Hollywood. And they even touched on that in the movie with one of the lines, you know, like, how do you kill a zombie anyways? Oh, you hit it in the head. That's what the movie said. And they, you know, trying to stab a zombie in the head. And, well, well, it didn't work. Well, you know, it's the movie. So, you know. It's not always true in the movies and what they say. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're totally, they're lying straight through their teeth. And I found that to be hilarious. Um, and, you know, the acting was, you know, kind of right in the mid section there. It was okay. Was nothing to be shocked and awe of. But, you know, I think it was a comedic event. The, the comedy of it, the, through the entire movie, really kind of kept you watching and see what's going on. You know, the goofiness of how the zombies acted and like a dead sprint tackling people, you know, almost everyone's seen the walking dead or seen clips of it and they can see how zombies, you know, slow moving, you know, they're going to grab you and they're going to bite you. I mean, they're not going to do a flying tackle at a paramedic just to get into their brains. Um, and it was honestly a really good time. And, it's a lesser-known movie to some people. Some people might have heard of it. Some people even could have... Definitely people have heard the 60s film, uh, Night of the Living Dead, which is kind of a... This movie kind of a spoof off of that. They've made a total of three of these movies. And from what I've heard, they did okay. Not as good as the first one. Because this one did pretty well, respectively. Um... So, Colin, what did you think about
1: that movie? Uh, Just to double back, the Friday the 13th movies, I found there's about 12 to 13 of them. 12 to 13. Including the Freddy vs. Jason movie. Oh, wow. Which, now that we know both of the origin stories, we might want to look into... On our own time. On our own own time, time, yes. On our own (laughs) time. (laughs) On our own time. We have a lot of movies to watch before we can catch up to that one, if Mm -hmm. we're going to go through both of the series. Yep. But to catch up with you on Return of the Living Dead... One thing that really struck me, other than the acting being kind of goofy, but still really good in a lot of places, the graphics. Mm-hmm. The graphics were next level in this one, and they it really showed were. that they put a lot of thought into what they were doing. They really were. The, I, I totally agree. I didn't mean to cut you off there, yeah, but... you're good, buddy.
0: I, I totally agree. I mean, most of the zombies were looking kind of, you know, looking at a person in the eyes, but... Other ones are, you know, the swamp monster-looking thing. And it doesn't look real, but it looks scary. And I think that's what they're trying to hit. They're, they're trying to hit horror, but they're also trying to hit comedy. And they're trying to get a good, you know, lo- like, a good balance in between. And they're going to try to make a good movie out of this. They're not going to burn all their budget on CGI spaceship, you
1: know. A <laughs> little, little dig there. A little, little dig there, but I digress. But not the graphics were so good, even to the point where they had the person cut in half on the table still oh, talking with the spinal fluid. fluid leaking out on the table that w- with details. it wiggling around every now and then or oh, it was next level De- for the time of where it was made. Details were really important in this
0: film and they really did a good job of hammering out details. You know, it's not kind of a
1: slap together job. They took their time with the details and I thought they did a good job with it. Um, but they They also took their time and made it not so much of, like, it needs to be this way. They still had fun with it. Exactly. And that was one of the biggest parts that hit home with me. Like, it wasn't all just, oh, no, another zombie movie. It's dramatic, it's moody, it's dark. It was funny at parts to the point where you could openly laugh at it. Yeah, exactly. You, you definitely could. Um, and
0: that's us now. That's us desensitized to zombie films. And I... Can't really put myself in the shoes of the viewer back in, what, 1985? And I'm sure at times it was petrifying for them. You know, watching somebody get their head just bit right open and having their brains eat out. Because there was some gory at times, you know, with a paramedic laying on the ground with his
1: brains falling out. That could be scary to someone. I, I could see a young teenager getting into that whole, I'm an adult phase, going to the movies with friends and seeing that movie and regretting their actions. Exactly. <laughs> Um,
0: oh, definitely. And the story was able to stay interesting. It kept the, kept the audience, you know, captivated with the film. They wanted to keep watching it. And that was because of the violence and the current constant action through the film. It didn't take long for the first zombie to appear. And throughout the entire film, it was just, you know, not constant zombies, but constant turmoil between everyone and constant chaos and that was I think they did a very good job of that keeping that going
1: one thing that this movie had that none of the others have that I actually just realized thinking about it hmm. all of the others had a constant theme or something or other this movie was the only one that had a twist at the end yeah where the two main characters not to spoil it for anybody but were actually exposed to the chemical that made zombies happen yeah they breathed it in and became zombies themselves even though they didn't die yeah I
0: wouldn't characterize anyone as a main character in this film. I know you just, I'm not, you know, I'm trying to hit on you or anything like that. because um, I, like, the other three, they had a main character. These, it was, it was a like, main cast of people. Yeah, it was more like a group of people that we just watched get picked off one by one. Pretty much. Um, so yeah, it did a great job. And I think, with all these movies combined, they all left room for another movie. With, like, the creeps right at the end when they thought they killed all of them, a couple ran away. And you don't know what's going to happen with them. Or with, you know, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Right at the end, it seems like they're trapped again. And same thing with Friday the 13th. And same thing with Night of the Living Dead. You know, the water seeping back into the ground that has all the chemicals that caused us in the first place. So... And I mean, all of them had spinoffs. I say it's funny you say that because most of them had, like, all, all of them had, had sequels, exactly. And I think that also played a part in like keeping the audience scared because you don't at the end of a movie. Some movies you want it to be completely; you want to tie it with a nice, pretty bow at the end to make everyone feel happy. With this, now we're gonna leave you thinking about it: what's gonna happen next? Because in the eighties, they were huge on sequels, huge on sequels. Movies after movies after movies. And that wasn't just for the horror genre. That was for any genre. And, I mean, Google a movie in the 80s and I bet you it has a sequel. So we're going to jump in the box office here. So the budget for this film was $4 million, which I thought was a good budget
1: for this film. They did a, a lot. Very well for the budget they had. Yeah, exactly.
0: And the opening weekend uh, revenue was 4.4, so they made their money back a little extra. And, you know, with the gross worldwide earnings, it was 14.2. So at the time, it was a good horror film, right? And I think that's kind of what uh, the revenue here is showing. At the time, it was a great horror film. Probably not great. It was a good horror film. But it really didn't last after that.
1: After that, it just kind of died off. It kind of went into those phases where people start to try to milk it for money, those that made it. Yeah. And, like, they made two, three of these? Uh, I believe they made three. I I believe it's three, too. And at some point, the story has to end. Exactly. And that's the hardest part for putting so much money into a project. Most movies just have the one and done, but those sequels that you put so much time and money into... You don't want to see them end, but sometimes the story just needs to come to a close. Exactly. And some can argue the same thing with Friday the
0: 13th or, you know, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Like you said, there's 13 and 12 sequels. That's a
1: lot of movies. That's exactly what I was thinking, especially and because it's like Friday the 13th part One, Two, Three, Four. Then the fifth one is like The New Beginning. Yeah. And then there's like Jason X, which is the 10th movie where he's in space. That's kind not of ridiculous. even not even going to start in on that no, one. Please don't. <laughs> um, but sometimes the story has to end. Is my point exactly. So after
0: the first two movies, Con and I were kind of talking about it, and we started talking about the eighties. That well, it started in the sixties, but it was still going on in the eighties. Was the sexual revolution, um, and this played a part in each single film, and that included nudity and you know women not really. Some of the women not conforming to gender roles, you know, like Friday the 13th, the women were helping around the, you know, the campsite, building things or in, you know, the Return of the Living Dead, a very gothic, very grunge-esque type of, you know, short hair, dyed hair, not really ladylike clothing. I mean, the character's name, the character's name was trash. (laughs) Yes, it was. Um, But, you know, this 80s sexual revolution really marked a time that involved rejection of typical gender roles. And I think they, in some of these movies, not all of them really showed that. But in all of them, a lot of nudity. And so that kind of ties into that. But when it comes to gender roles, only some really rejected those. Um, Like Nightmare on Elm Street, it's damsel in distress. Like, Night of the Creeps, Damsel in Distress.
1: I I could argue that Friday, no, not Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street was more of a coming of age. Where she stood up to the killer, so she was actually the hero, not so much a damsel in distress.
0: I I can agree with you on that. And after saying that, I can see kind of where I went wrong here. Um, Night of the Creeps, it kind of was a damsel in distress story. And then turn into being her, being her own hero, especially when wielding a flamethrower.
1: Yeah, that's, when she came up with a plan with a flamethrower when they were trapped in the and shed. Pardon my French. That's kind of badass. No, it it was. It was. Yeah. Very out of character for the '80s female. The '80s sorority female.
0: Even better. Even better. Um. So, do you have anything else to
1: add to cover with these kind of these movies at all? Not, not really. We kind of covered it all, other than the. my final statement would be all the movies were good, some of them better than others. Um, I hope to watch more of these horror movies and potentially even keep this podcast going. we got to talk about that. Yeah, we do. And um, just watching them use their time frame of the 80s to break those gender roles as well as the sexual revolution just kind of reeled it all in for me. It really did. I think... Three out of these four movies, I'd watch again.
0: And I think we all know which one I wouldn't. Night, night of the Creeps. Um, and I, and I, I look forward to watching these sequels of you know, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. I feel like these would be pretty good movies. Um, so thank you all for listening. This is going to be the end of our podcast. Um, and I hope you all have a wonderful night. Bye, Bye guys.